Welcome to the sermon podcast of First Alliance Church in Lexington, Kentucky. The sermon you're about to hear, Pray Like This, was preached by our high school pastor, Dan McPherson, on Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 to 15. It was recorded on January 29th, 2023, and is part of our series, 40 Days of Prayer. So, Welcome to First Alliance. I am Dan McPherson, high school pastor. We are continuing our series during this 40 days of prayer, kicking off 2023. And I hope the last few weeks have been a good reminder for you to just reorient your mind and your heart and your life around the importance of prayer. But let's be honest. We all know that prayer is important. If we are followers of Jesus, we know we need to pray. However, I would venture to guess some of you in the room, when we think about prayer or when you hear a word on prayer, some of you don't think, I've got prayer down. I don't need a series on prayer. I don't need new ways of praying. I'm pretty good at this whole praying thing. I look forward to it in the morning. I wake up excited to pray. I may be wrong, or maybe I'm just projecting my issues onto the rest of you. But my guess is, for the most of us, this is an area that needs work. Anyone? Okay, good. I'm not alone. Why? Why? Because there are so many other things that are vying for our attention. My third limb, some might call it a smartphone, is always at the ready with music, Netflix, social media, ESPN, email, the news. Really, the entire world is two taps away. Silence is extinct. And even when I am quiet, I struggle to stop my racing mind. I struggle to get calm, to sit still for a minute. And the idea of stepping away from the noise and the entertainment, that then means that I have to be alone with my thoughts, which is a scary place to be. Again, speaking for myself, those of you who've got this figured out, just come up to me after the service and tell me, what to do. But I know that prayer is important. I know I need to pray. And Jesus' disciples knew this as well. In Luke chapter 11, we read this. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. They asked Jesus to teach them to pray. Why? Because he clearly knew how to. It's like someone who wants to learn to play tennis and they go ask Nadal to teach them tennis. It's like someone who wants to learn how to play basketball and instead of going to Calipari, they go to Bill Self. That's how people do it around here. Thank you to all of you who supported my Jayhawks last night. Blessings. Cheer for my Chiefs tonight if you would. And we'll do it again. Last year, you beat us by 20, and then we won the national championship. So the future is looking good for you. I'm just saying, maybe you will win the national. It's going to be tough. (laughs) Hopefully, you make it to the tournament. Okay, anyway, moving on, (laughs) moving on. Lord, 
Teach us to pray. Why? Because Jesus knew what he was doing. He got away. Just as Bethany read for us earlier, time and time and time again, he got away to pray. And he seemed to enjoy it. Lord, teach us to pray. And he said to them, when you pray, say this. In Matthew's version, Jesus says, pray like this. And then he launches into what we now call the Lord's Prayer. So if you have your Bible, turn to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. You're probably familiar with the Lord's Prayer. My guess is many of you can recite it without looking. Some of you may not even know you know the Lord's Prayer. You just hear someone say, Our Father who art in heaven, and it just clicks, and you just start saying it. It's been put to a tune, and when I typed in the Lord's Prayer on Spotify, it has been sung by Frank Sinatra. Andrea Bocelli, Aretha Franklin, Johnny Mathis, Perry Como, Barbara Streisand, Rima McIntyre, Elvis, Gladys Knight, and the Pips, the Beach Boys have sung the Lord's Prayer, as well as others that would be a lot less surprising, worship collectives, Christian artists, church choirs, the Gaithers, etc. So if you want to listen to it later, just type in your favorite artist, and it's quite possible they have sung the Lord's Prayer. Prayer. The Lord's Prayer is the most well-known, most often quoted prayer in all of history. But I would also say it's the least understood prayer in all of history. I couldn't find the exact line, but one archbishop, I believe Archbishop of Canterbury, put it this way. The Lord's Prayer is simple enough a child can memorize it. Complex enough that you can mine its depths your entire life. So my hope today, we're going to walk through the prayer, pausing for a word on each line. My hope today is that you see the Lord's Prayer in a new and fresh way. Maybe a way that you haven't thought about before or just kind of breathes life into your world of prayer. In the original language, the prayer is only 31 words. Luke's version is believed to be the original. Matthew then extends it a little bit. It's short, but it's incredibly intentional. Not surprising, it's Jesus. So notice the order of things that are prayed. Order matters. So we echo the original 12 disciples. Lord, teach us to pray. Jesus replies, pray then like this. Our Father, and stop. Immediately, we are welcomed into a grander narrative. Not my Father, our Father. For 2,000 years, people have been praying this prayer. Forget Elvis, forget the Beach Boys. The apostle Peter prayed this prayer. Paul prayed this prayer. John Wesley, John Calvin, Martin Luther, Martin Luther King, Mother Teresa, on and on and on it goes. We're part of something bigger than ourselves. We move from navel gazing and we're invited to look up and to be a part of what we would call the body of Christ. Our Father. In heaven. In the language of the Bible, that word, this microphone is messing me up. 
I apologize. In the language of the Bible, the word is plural. So better translated, in the heavens or in the air. I heard one pastor give the analogy that the Father is in the air all around us. Even when we can't see him, even when we can't feel him, the Father is there. And in our humanness, we hear the word Father and we project our own version of our dads onto God. So for some of you, this is very easy to think about God as Father. You had a great dad, a loving dad, a dad who was present, who listened, who cared. But for some of you, thinking of God as Father is incredibly difficult. The association becomes one of abandonment, of harshness, of absence, of quick temper, of neglect, of abuse. We're tempted to slap our own stereotypes, our own experiences, our own baggage, both bad and good, onto God based on our own dads. But it's much bigger than our finite understanding of God as Father. The first occurrence in the Hebrew Bible of the idea of God comes as Father comes when Moses stands before Pharaoh. And he says, Thus says Yahweh, Israel is my son, my firstborn. Let my people go that they may serve me. So for the Jewish disciple, hearing Jesus' words, to call God Father means the hope of freedom, called out of slavery to become sons. For us, Scripture says we were slaves to what? It's on the screen. Sin. But are now sons of the king. Think about what John says. See what kind of love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of of God, and so we are. There's this aspect of love, of closeness. Forget your dad. God is so much better. There's freedom, there's connection to God by calling him Father. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Hallowed, I'm sure some of you used that word multiple times this week in conversation. But hallowed means set apart. It means unique. It means beautiful. It means unlike any other. Our Father, God, you are beautiful. You are beautiful beyond description, too marvelous for words, as that song says. We need to be filled with wonder, with inspiration, with captivation. I think about Revelation 4. The living creatures are around the throne. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Holy, holy. That's all they say. They never get past that. This wonderment. Notice the order. Jesus begins with adoration, with worship with who God is. And it begs the question, how do you start your prayers? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come, not 
my kingdom come, whatever that might mean for you, not the Republican kingdom come, not the Democrat kingdom come, not even the world peace just make everything right kingdom come, not even the just get me out of this place and into heaven kingdom come. God, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. In his book, The Lord and His Prayer, N.T. Wright comments, we're not just biding our time until we get to heaven. If all we're looking forward to is heaven, then ecology, peace among peoples and nations, economic justice, racial equality, refugees, land rights, those are all political issues that have to do with this world. They're beyond the scope of the concerns of the Christian faith. But such is not the case. If we pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth. I think we can agree there's a lot wrong in the world. So we cry out to God, God, make things right now. Let that be true today. God, we know one day every tribe and tongue and nation will bow before you, will worship God. Let that be reality today. God, we know that one day no one will be hungry. There will be no more tears, no more death. God, let that be true today. Scripture tells us you're making all things new. God, make that reality today. Your kingdom come now on earth. May it become reality today. Could it be? Our prayers make a difference. Could it be? God listens to our prayers. Could it be that I have no idea why, but God seems to react to people's prayers in scripture and change his mind. Could it be your kingdom come? God says, okay, let's do it. Could it be your kingdom come? Your will be done. Not my will be done. And this requires another aspect of God. So God is our father, but this also puts us in relationship with God. God is our Lord. We submit to him. He is our king. We sang about it earlier. We, he reigns. We fall under his rule and we ask him to be Lord of our lives, over our emotions, over our desires, over our commitments, our thoughts, our hopes, our dreams, our goals. God, your will be done. If you know the story, Jesus actually follows up on this. He believes his own prayer and he says, God, not my will, but yours be done. And then he goes and dies the worst death ever. He prays his own prayer. How often do we pray for something that we want to happen and we confuse it with God's will or and again maybe projecting my own things but I decide to take this path okay now God you bless that I want to go do this thing take this job have this relationship God now let's do that your will be done give us this day our daily bread finally it is time to talk about our needs. So thankful. We just, I'm tempted to just race through. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. The kingdom come, the will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
give us this day our daily bread. Add to cart, add to cart, add to cart, add to cart. (laughs) Purchase now. Eugene Peterson puts it bluntly in his book, Answering God. Left to ourselves, we are never more selfish than when we pray. With God as the great sympathizer, the great giver, the great promiser, we go to our knees and indulge every impulse for gratification. Left to ourselves. Which is why Jesus gives us a model. An intentional order. It begins, it's easy to begin with our needs, with our wants, our desires. There's a reason it falls down the line. And notice that Jesus says, give us our daily bread, not our daily cake. Our needs, not our wants. I heard one pastor say, God loves to bless us. And so sometimes we'll get some Nutella on our bread, but don't be surprised if most of the time it's just bread. Our needs, not necessarily our wants. And the word daily here is tricky. It's the only place that this particular word appears in the Greek language, not just the Bible, the entire Greek language. So understandably, there's been some questions around this word. Matthew interprets it to mean, give us today our bread for tomorrow. If your Bible, maybe you have a little footnote there. Mine has the number four, and then I look down, or our bread for tomorrow there. Luke understands it as, give us each day our daily bread. But the old Syriac second century translation, scholar Kenneth Bailey thinks this is the most helpful, the broadest for understanding, Give us today the bread that doesn't run out. One of the deepest, most crippling fears that we have as humans is not having our needs met, of going hungry, of being thirsty, of not having shelter. Could it be that in this prayer, Jesus is teaching his disciples to release that fear. Give us today the bread that doesn't run out. Give us our daily bread. Again, notice the plural language, our daily bread, not my daily bread. This prayer for our bread includes the hungry everywhere, your neighbor, your county, your country, The world, we are no longer, again, this navel-gazing that's so simple. God, you know my needs. Please help me with X, Y, Z. This pulls us out of that. It makes us aware of the issues around us, aware of the broader spectrum of people who are much more needy than us. God Give us our daily bread. We're praying on behalf of those people participating with the body of Christ. And forgive us our debts, our trespasses, our sins, whatever your translation says. We need to confess 
every day. Some things will quickly come to mind that we need to confess. Maybe you have something right now that I say confess and you think about something you did this week or this morning or two minutes ago. You think about something you thought. You think about something you've said. You thought, think about something you've watched or listened to or clicked on. You think about people that you hurt. Maybe something comes immediately to mind. But sometimes we just need to confess, God, you know where I have sinned, even if I don't know it. Think about the psalmist. Make me pure. Cleanse me with hyssop. Just make me white as snow. God, I don't even know where I've messed up, but you do. Please cleanse me of that. Forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And here's a problem that I think if it were up to me, I would just emit this from the prayer. I like to be forgiven it's a lot harder for me to forgive. And the problem becomes that this is the only part of the prayer that Jesus then follows up on. What about the give us the daily bread part? No, for if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your father forgive you your trespasses. Jesus links our relationship with others to our relationship with him. And for me, again, personal therapy session, this is a scary thing. If I don't forgive, I'm not forgiven. God doesn't make sense to me. Sometimes. And lead us not into temptation. This doesn't mean that God himself causes people to be tempted. Remember what James says. Let no one say when he's tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil. He himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he's lured, enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it's conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. So we pray, Father, help me when I'm tempted. Help me to lean on Paul's words from 1 Corinthians. Don't let me be tempted beyond what I can bear. Keep me from sinning. Do you remember what Jesus did? What scripture says, he was tempted in every way, but did not what? So we pray, Jesus, make me like you. Tempted in every way, but without sin. Could it be that that be our prayer? Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. N.T. Wright offers three ways that we handle Evil. See if you fall in one of these categories. First, you pretend that evil doesn't exist, or if it does, it doesn't really matter. Second, you wallow in evil. You see it all around in the news, on your street, and it just dominates your thoughts and your energy, and woe is me, this world is so terrible, evil is all around. Or you say, evil is out there, yes, but I am righteous. 
I'm so glad I'm not like them. And here, Jesus strikes a balance with just this simple line, deliver us from evil. He recognizes evil is real. There is spiritual warfare. We cannot turn a blind eye. And yet, as the old song says, I've read the back of the book and we win. That God delivers us from that. That we can rely on him. We don't have to wallow in that. Why? Because we know who won. We know the end. He has victory over that. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Earlier in Matthew 6, if you have it open there, you'll see this. In the conversation leading up to the Lord's Prayer, Jesus tells his disciples what to do when they pray. So he has several suggestions, but at the beginning, every time, he says, when you pray, when you pray, when you pray. Not if you pray, not should you decide to pray, not maybe it would be a good idea to pray. Not even a command, pray. No, he just expects you to pray. If you follow me, you will pray. When you pray, prayer is essential, and you will, be, you will pray. But could it be that the disciples are a lot like us? They've been watching Jesus for a while. They know he's good at this prayer thing. They know he seems to enjoy it, but they have questions. They ask themselves, how do I pray? What if I don't know what to say? What do I include in my prayer? How do I? There are so many things to be praying for in my friend, my family, my world, the people that I walk by every day that I don't even know. How do I start my prayer? What kind of words should I use? Is there some sort of formula? What if I pray and I sound dumb and people make fun of me? What if I don't say the right thing? What if I don't pray the right thing? Is it okay to pray for myself? Is that selfish? Are people in 2,000 years going to ask the exact same questions? Anyone? Lord, teach us to pray. And Jesus gives them an example. Want to know how to pray? How to start? What to include? What areas to focus on? Pray like this. Simple enough to commit to memory? Complex enough to pray your entire life. So here's your homework this week. I don't think this will come as a surprise to you. Pray this prayer every day, seven times. And ask the Lord to guide you through it. So maybe there are some days, a couple days, where you just pray the whole thing. Just straight through, 30 seconds. Or if you speak really fast, even shorter. But maybe there are some days where the Father just nudges you to stop. Maybe, maybe tomorrow you don't get past our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Maybe you just stop there and you just dwell in worship. 
You just adore who he is. You're just holy, holy, holy. Maybe the next day you get a little bit further, but you start to intercede on behalf for the world. God, make everything right. Maybe God puts someone on your heart to be praying for. Maybe God reveals a need that you have that you just need to spend time talking to him about. Maybe he puts some things on your heart that you need to confess. Maybe someone in your life that you need to forgive. Maybe someone in your life who hasn't asked for forgiveness but God wants you to deal with that. Or maybe you just need to do battle. Maybe you need to go and do some spiritual warfare. God, deliver us from evil. Lead me not into temptation. Lead us not into temptation as the body of Christ, as the world. Don't tempt us. Keep us from that. Keep us from sinning. Pray the prayer every day. And ask God to reveal himself in a new and fresh way. Could it be that the Lord's prayer has been twisted to not have much meaning at all? Could it be it's become a set of words that depending on what denomination you grew up in, you might have said this prayer every Sunday. And it's just rote. It's just there. Could it be that God wants to breathe new life into your world of prayer. So in another turn of events that you won't be surprised by, as the worship team comes forward, I want to pray this prayer together. It'll be on the screen because there are 50 different versions. And so rather than just saying a bunch of different things, we'll just be on the same page here. And I have tacked on the the ending that has been added somewhere down the line in church history. But if you would, stand with me, and let's read the prayer together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. Here at First Alliance Church, our mission is to passionately pursue God, extend life-changing hope, and disciple people to be spirit-empowered followers of Jesus. To learn more about our church or to hear other sermons like this one, visit us at FAC. LEX.com